On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we preview our Sunday night matchup in Kansas City, and we have our first guest of the year, a country music star. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. And with that, let's go Pack. Third down and five, Rogers, same side. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Pack It Up Packers podcast. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. How we doing, folks? We are less than a week away from the trade deadline. Emmanuel Sanders has head to the West Coast. Sanu is heading up to New England. And a surprise trade between Detroit and Seattle sends Diggs out to the West Coast. Assuming that there is availability at any given position, what would you want Goot to be focused on this last week? You scared me for a minute when you said Diggs. I thought Stefan, not Quandre. So Detroit, <laughs> Detroit Lions Diggs sent away. I did. I prefaced it. I prefaced it. What? Yep, Stefan's yep. gone? What? I'm, yeah, I'm it's like the old days when there's the two Adrian Petersons. There's the, the Bears <laughs> and there's the Vikings, and you throw it in on uh, real quick on a mock draft or something. Right. People up, but who are we looking for? If if we're going for a a free agent or trade, I think we got to go find a middle linebacker. I'm just super scared. Blake Martinez is having a nice year, cleaning up the messes. He's he's leading the NFL in tackles with 76. But if he goes down, we've shown that Orrin Burks and B.J. Goodson are not starter caliber NFL starter caliber guys. Um, they're fine for the role they're playing, but if we if we had Martinez just hurt his shoulder like that's been giving him issues with, tweak an ankle, whatever it might be, uh, we're super weak in that position. There's some guys available in free agency like Dayon Buchanan, who I think was with the Falcons last. There's guys available via trade. I'd like to see that position short up. You know, my take on this is not who we should get. It's who we should have gotten. We should have gotten Emmanuel Sanders. Stop living in the past. I, oh, I can't God. believe it. Oh my Honestly, God. I can't believe when they re- actually released saying Kumaro, the play of Kumaro and Lazard have disinterested the Packers uh, upper management on trade for a wide receiver. Like, I just don't get that. Emmanuel Sanders is way better talent than Kumaro and Lazard probably combined. Yeah. Um, and I don't get why we are settling for mediocre talent for Aaron Rodgers to throw to once again. When well, we have the cap room, we have the we have picks to trade. Why not give a shot on Emmanuel Sanders? I, I do agree. The, the concept that Kumaro had a nice four quarters, uh, Lazard has had a nice five quarters, and we're taking that as a precedent over Emmanuel Sanders' decade in the NFL uh, just blows my mind. It, it, would they give up a three and a four in exchange for Sanders and a five? Yeah. My only hope with that is that he's looking at it as, I think I can find better this offseason. I know it's the offseason, but – whether we use our first round draft pick on one of these studs coming out of college, I, I I do find it weird that we put this much trust in the wide receiver group after just three really, really strong weeks without Adams. Uh, apparently he, he was on the phone with every single one of them. It's just, it was a matter of, you know, 49ers giving up more, but I completely agree, agree with Dan on this, which is surprising that we were in panic mode a month ago about this offense. And now I just worry about the deep, 
depth on the defense in terms of anywhere up the middle, whether it's middle linebacker or just middle of the D line, because Kenny Clark gave me the Sunday scaries with him limping around and going to the tunnel. If Martinez is in that same boat, we have absolutely no depth for a team that already struggles against the run. It is an absolute disaster waiting to happen. And a lot of times I know people give Martinez a hard time. And we've talked about it before on this podcast. I think a lot of it comes down to he's asked to do so much and play so much. So to give him the opportunity of even taking 12 to 15 snaps off would be ginormous, especially for how long the NFL season is. But I hope something happens from all signs. It seems like the Packers are at least throwing their name in the hat, but nothing of value uh, is coming up. So we'll see what happens. But here we go. Sunday night at Arrowhead. Our own Josh Gibbs is attending the game. So when you go on Barstool and see that one Packer fan in the middle of red getting beat up, there's a 25% chance it's him. <laughs> I'd say probably 70% chance. Oh, oh nice. <laughs> yeah, baby, go for it. Get it done. Kansas City leads the overall series 7-4-1, and one, although the Packers have won two of the last three meetings, the last one being in 2015. Also, I have in my notes that they – beat them in a Super Bowl. So, hey oh. Hey-oh. The Chiefs are 5 and 2 in the season, wins against Jags, Raiders, Ravens, Lions, and most recently put them out of their misery already, Broncos. Of note, 1 and 2 at home. Uh biggest concerns of the Chiefs right now are Mahomes who apparently is practicing, but also lots of other current DNPs at practice on Wednesday, some of them illness and uh, rest, so there should be some back. Also, shout out to the Packers who listed, I believe, everybody on their roster on the injury report. But the only person that did not participate was Adam. So Savage should be back. Tanyan should be back. We should be as close to healthy as we've been pretty much this whole entire season. With that, we'd like to bring in our first ever guest of the show, Poppin' Cherries like Kumaro, country music man, Blaine Howard. Welcome, Blaine. Yeah, good to be here. So first question, why are you a Chiefs fan? And a follow-up, why are you here? Well, I grew up uh, – <laughs> why am I here? Oh, my gosh. That one could go on for a while. Um, I grew up in the state of Arkansas where we have no professional teams, so most people kind of trend towards the Dallas area. But I was actually born about 80 miles south of Kansas City in southeast Kansas. So my family has always been Chiefs fans, and we've always followed them all the way back to the Tony Gonzalez days and all that stuff. So that's just the way I've always been. My grandfather was a Chiefs fan, so I kind of trended that way with him. And uh, I am here because I am taking Josh with me to Arrowhead this week, where hopefully I can keep him from getting in a fight. (laughs) (laughs) I I do want to say thank you. Uh, Blaine is like an avid uh, Chiefs fan. He was on the news last year for... What, what were you doing? You were playing? I did a parody of the blues song Kansas City for uh, the Chiefs-Colts uh, playoff game, and they picked it up on the local news and the radio stations in Kansas City. And it ended up, you know, in the snow, it got me into the suite section to get out of the snow in the 20-degree weather, so that <laughs> nice. was kind of nice. That's weird because Josh has made, I believe, 38 different Packer songs. Um, so hopefully one of them. <laughs> None have gotten played yet. Buddy. None have gotten played. <laughs> so let's start talking about um, kind of the Kansas City offense versus the Packer defense because that's been kind of the talk of the town. Mahomes 
looked absolutely <clears throat> nasty when it happened, dislocated knee, kneecap, and then all of a sudden, whether it's just this beautiful camaraderie and, and just competition level in the NFL, he was limited in practice today. I think everybody in this podcast would agree that he is most likely not going to play. So how do we feel about Matt Moore leading this offense of absolute studs? Like you said, there are studs all around him. He's got the receiving core. He's got some solid running backs around him. We do have a few injuries on the offensive line. So I think Andy Reid, obviously, you know, is probably going to come out and try and run the ball effectively. And if he can do that, all of a sudden you do create a little bit of um, options throwing down the field. And he did throw for 100-something and a touchdown to Tyree Kill against the Broncos. Again, you're right. It's the Broncos. But Tyree Kill is the fastest man in the NFL, and he can get open just about any play so you never know what can happen i never doubt andy reed but at the same time matt moore is not patrick mahomes yeah but matt moore is a serviceable backup and the the tyreek hill speed is scary and it's not just tyreek hill the the way the chiefs have built their offense is is pretty interesting because they're one of a few teams that have gone with this just straight speed model and it applies to their defense too we talked about it before we started recording but the the entire offense is built to just run past you and without Mahomes, it's a disappointment because Mahomes against Rodgers is an, a matchup we've all been waiting to see. It would only happen once every four years, excluding the playoffs. Um, so hopefully we do see this matchup in time. And one of the things I saw with this offense is they I think they spent so much time and money investing in these athletic studs at wide receiver and running back that their offensive line is lacking. So the majority of Mahomes' throws that he's making, he's either scrambling, he's running out of the pocket, or some of them he's taking a snap and shotgun, and he's almost sprinting straight backwards like a guy would do in Madden playing online, sprinting st- straight backwards and then throwing a quick screen pass. So I'm, I'm not – Obviously, I'm I'm upset that Mahomes is gone, but Matt Moore is a serviceable backup. But his agility or his lack of mobility, I should say, is is something that's going to change the Chiefs' offense. And and Josh, I don't know if you saw this when you watched some of their film, but they love the Chiefs' offense loves running a wide receiver in motion as a form of play action. So if you don't respect that speedy receiver, he's going to have the ball either on a jet sweep or a shovel pass, and he's going to be gone in the blink of an eye. And it's not just Tyreek Hill. You got some guys there. Not Sammy Watkins, but Demarcus Robinson, Nicole Hardman, all these guys have shown some speed. That's something you have to respect, right? Um, what's interesting, though, is that the way they run that play action uh, frees up like the interior of the offensive line where you don't have to have such amazing run blockers because you have a guy like LaShawn McCoy, this quick slashback, agile running back. Um, to run between the tackles off that motion. So if we put the Smith brothers on the edge, containing the edge against this jet sweep motion, well, now you've taken one of our defenders out of his lane and LaShawn McCoy can make some cuts in the middle. It's a super fun offense to watch. It's disappointing we won't see it with Mahomes, but we're still going to have our challenges even with Matt Moore playing quarterback. You you both bring up great points, but I, I think we're going to have challenges with Matt Moore at quarterback one, because, you know, he's, he's a veteran. He's been around. He, he's done some things, you know, he's not, he's not bad at being a quarterback. Um, he's just not as good as others. Uh, but the, the person that is the most influ- influential in this game is Andy Reed. <clears throat> I've said it before on this podcast. I love Andy Reed as a coach. Um, hey, wait, one second, one second. Vince Lombardi or Andy Reed? Yeah, <laughs> but let let me get back in to Andy Reid here. All right, boys. All right. A- Andy Reid, Andy Reid is gonna. He knows Patrick Mahomes isn't playing. I mean, let's be real here. So exactly like what Dan said, he's gonna get the ball quick into his playmaker's hands. 
They have a ton of weapons that are faster than our defenders, I guarantee you. And it will cause problems. I don't. I think they'll get an early start on us, but I don't think they'll hang around. I think we'll, we will just outpower them all over the field. Uh, but yeah, Andy Reid could come up with a good game plan and actually surprise us at the beginning. I, I would not be surprised if they started hot and we are down 13 nothing real quick. Yeah, I think it's a little scary because if you if you look at this Packers defense, we actually get burned uh, most on just like quick, straightforward plays to playmakers. Like there is nothing about the Oakland Raiders that's scary. They just didn't do anything special. They got into people's hands 10 to 15 yards downfield, and we just could not keep up with speed and athleticism. And I don't think that was Mike Pettin's best called game by a mile. But if we couldn't control Waller and now you have to control Kelsey, and I would argue that this Kansas City wide receiver crew plus running backs is probably the most talent we've seen outside of maybe Minnesota in terms of who they have throwing it to. So Matt Moore, I completely agree. We need to put pressure on him. This defense cannot go without a sack. It needs to be constant blitzes. Everybody's saying this is a complete win by the Packers because no Mahomes. And I just think this actually might be worst case scenario for who they have going against them. Um, but yeah, Blaine, what have you seen since LaShawn McCoy has come back? He's only got 60 carries, but he's already 21st in the NFL in yards. Right. He's he's averaging. I forget what the number is currently uh, five over five yards of carry right now, which is insane, especially like you said, 60 carries, which is pretty incredible. Um I think last game against Denver, they came out trying to show that they are going to run the ball. And he had a couple of big carries early that definitely set up the passing game. Now, once we got to the point where Mahomes was injured, we definitely kind of slowed it down and ran the ball. But we were up quite a quite a bit. And, you know, we were just running clock as well. But the only thing that scares me with McCoy is he won't tuck the ball away when he runs. He runs with it like a loaf of bread. And it has cost us uh, at least once this season. He did fumble against was it either Indy or uh, Houston that he fumbled on like a 40 yard run that he had a breakaway or a screen or something. So I think obviously he's got the talent there and I think he's become our number one back. Although I still think Damian Williams is just deadly out of the backfield um, yeah. as a receiver and the guys, you know, he scored four touchdowns or something like that against the Patriots in the playoffs. So you have to watch out for him too. Yeah. LaShawn McCoy, you get the good with the bad. He reminds me of Lamar, of Lamar Jackson running with the ball. I saw a highlight on ESPN. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he just had no ball security whatsoever. I'm like, boy, one day you're going to get popped and that is going to be embarrassing. But with McCoy, I mean, he, he gained so many more yards that, uh, that are not schemed, right. That a normal running back would not be able to go get McCoy goes and gets those extra yards. So that running game is scary between Damian Williams and LaShawn McCoy. And the interesting part is that if they can commit to the run, specifically with Mahomes out, they're going to have to establish some sort of running game. And we say this most weeks, but it's the weakness on the Packers defense. If they can commit to some sort of running game, it frees up so many options. And we proved last week when all we had to do was stop Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller, we could not stop either one of those guys. So the ability for Travis Kelsey to get wide open off some play action, I don't care who's at quarterback, is still very scary. Thankfully, Darnell Savage is back at practice because he seems like the one guy that might. It's weird to say this of a rookie, but he seems like the one guy we're going to have to put on Kelsey and hopefully shut him down. I was just going to say, so over under, Kelsey gets 120 yards over under. Under. Oh. Under. I have to go over. Who else? Are they gonna, I mean, Tyreek Hill is going to light us up on one play, right? But, yeah, I'm just okay. waiting for that moment where 
you see the back of Kevin King and go, uh-oh, <laughs> and you're just like, shit, please it'll be an overthrow because that's my worries. I think Kelsey Thank will get quite a few uh, catches. It might be in that eight or nine territory. I just hope that they're at least contained uh, to 10 yards or a little short kind of um, just kind of these things to get it out of his hand quick. Yo, we should not have Kevin King on Tyreek Hill, though. I don't know if you guys saw the breakdown of Kevin King's man-to-man coverage. But it's it's not as bad as Josh Jackson, who, by the way, who, who by the way, we kept over Bashad Breland, so we can get to that on defense. You know what? But, the Chiefs have Bashad Breland right now, and he has six pass interference penalties yep. against him, or or holdings or something. So he's cost us quite a few points in these games too. There's, so thanks for that. Reason, there's a reason I brought it up. We're gonna bring it up. Um, but Kevin King and man-to-man coverage, they've they've shown on some film breakdowns. I think it was mostly on the athletic. I'll keep referring to these guys because they do a really nice job on film breakdowns. Uh, but they showed on some slant routes where instead of using his feet and just mirroring the wide receiver and then cutting with the wide receiver on a slant route, he does almost a full like 270-degree turn where he faces the sideline, does a full turn, and just – uh, that's his way of defending the slant route. So if he tries to do that on Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill is going to be 10 yards in front of him and already splitting the safeties before Kevin e- King even knows. I don't even know what the analogy is here, but he's just going to get burned. It's going to be terrible. So it, it, we better have Jair. If we're going to play man-to-man, we better have Jair on Tyreek Hill. So these defenses are pretty comparable. Both struggle against the rush. Both decent and against the passing game. They kind of have this bend but don't break mentality. 150 yards against the rush per game. Third worst per attempt at five yards. Um, But what do we make of this Packers offense that apparently is rejuvenated against this Chiefs defense? The the Packers offense, I I, I don't expect, especially if Devontae Adams is not in the game, I don't expect to see a lot different than what we've seen the past two weeks. I, I see us try to to own the run game. Um, if that's not happening, get the running backs involved in the pass game, uh, quick passes to the wide receivers to get it in their hands and allow them to try to make a play instead of having Rogers, you know, trying to do everything. I'm sure Rogers will have one or two amazing plays. It's a Sunday night game. You know, you know, he's one to show up for the lights. Um, but I don't expect much to stop us in this game. I, I expect a lot of points out of the Packers and I'd be disappointed if we do not score over 30 points. Now, I do want to just caution everyone. We've we talked in the Raiders breakdown that the Kansas City defense is not something we're going to fear. The run game is uh, something we need to expose. But Kansas City defense allows 377 yards per game. Do you think the Green Bay defense is more or less? More. Obviously, the way I frame that. Four yards or something. Green Bay is allowing 381 yards per game. So they're actually allowing less yards per game than the Green Bay defenses. But with that said, their rush defense, 28th in the NFL. Like Fu said, it's almost 158, 148 yards per game. I'd love to see a commitment from the Packers, especially with Devontae out. Keep the offense off the field. Slow the game down. I mean, the opposite is true. You speed it up, but slow it down by running the ball. Don't let them establish a run game and get into this play-action game that we could be concerned with with their backup quarterback. If we just do slow, methodical drives, make them 12 plays, 75 yards at a pop, right? Um, Our running backs have shown that they have this ability in the last few weeks to 
uh, be agile, make some guys miss, and still create a power run game where it's needed. Blaine, what's up with that running game, or the rush game defense? I mean, when I watch some film, the defensive line just, quite frankly, they just look small on film. But what's going on there that they're allowing so many yards? You're you're not kidding when you talk about the yards. You take out, and I think that's like you said, 148 yards a game. The first game against uh, the Jaguars, I think we allowed 86. So you take that game out, and oh. it's like 170-something. Oh. Now, I'm not sure what the Broncos ended up with the other night. They actually showed some signs of life against the Broncos. Again, I know it's the Broncos, but I'll take anything positive at this point. Um, we do have a few injuries. Obviously, Chris Jones, 16 and a half sacks last year being out is hurting us a little bit. We're missing Anthony Hitchens up until this past week as well. Uh, they did kind of throw Reggie Ragland back into the mix against the Broncos, which they were trying to uh, go with Darren Lee because he's a better pass cover coverage guy. Cause at least they thought he was a better pass coverage guy, but Ragland is definitely the better run stopper, but you're mm-hmm. right. We have a lot of smaller, quicker defensive linemen because we're trying to focus on the pass rush, which up until this past game, when we had nine sacks has actually been quite a, uh, quite a struggle for the chiefs. So yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely been some, some tough spots when it comes to the run defense. However, I do think that we're now aware that teams know they can run on us and we're actually putting six or seven guys in the box, maybe eight and saying, if you don't have the receivers, we want you to try and, you know, throw and beat us, which unfortunately we're about to play Aaron Rodgers, And there's, I don't know, maybe one or two other guys in the league that can just tear a defense up like Aaron Rodgers can. So this is going to be a tough one for the chiefs. Cause if they do hold the Packers to a hundred yards rushing, how do you stop Rodgers? He had five total touchdowns and like 400-some yards last game. So right. it's going to be a tough one. Yeah, it's interesting the way you describe their defense because that, that sounds like the way you will you would build a defense when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. Knowing you're going to take leads fast, you're going to jump on other teams, they're going to have to throw the ball. So you, you create a fast defense, good at a pass rush that can play zone and just defend a lead, right? So without Mahomes, just completely changes the dynamic of this game. Absolutely. It's going to be it'll be interesting for sure. You know, it does scare me. It does scare me. The fact that the Kansas City Chiefs had nine sacks last game like that is unreal. The amount of pressure I go. Yeah. But the thing is, on a Sunday night, it's going to be loud. I, I do worry a little bit about that. But who would you who would you pick? Who has more yards receiving Uh, the Packer backfield or Kelsey? That is a good question. I'd say Kelsey. Ooh. I'm going to say Kelsey by a slim margin, but just also it's because I think the Packers are going to run the ball and say, come stop us. With LaFleur, you know, he's been playing the hot hand with the running backs. What what running back do you guys see? Is it, is it Aaron Jones or is it Jamal Williams, you know, for the power back and mm-hmm. focus on the run game? You know what? He's been playing the hot hand really well, but who do you think that he's going to try to focus on to try to expose that Kansas City run defense? I've struggled with this. Jones. You think it's Jones? I've struggled with this because I almost uh, my only take on this so far is that it's almost like the Patriots. I I wouldn't even say he's riding the hot hand because that would mean he's giving them both five or six carries first and seeing who's running better that day. He he seems to be coming in with a game plan for a specific running back and giving them the majority of the carry, the majority of the touches. It's it's both run and pass game. So I I think without being in Lafleur's head, it's becoming at least in the last three four weeks a guessing game on who's going to get featured. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I just like the ability of Jones to break free, that if he can get through that first level, which he's struggled with, to be honest, but once he gets there, he's going to be gone. And 
I just love the fact that we now have two backs and a fullback that we feel completely comfortable giving the ball through the air. I I would love, love, love play action. Kind of the same thing we've seen on these two throws to Jones, one a catch, one not. But the ability to say, oh, it's going to be a run. But then all of a sudden this running back's kind of going around the outside without anybody kind of covering them. I love the ability for our backs to be deadly this game, both running and catching. I want to make a quick uh, a quick point. We talked about the Chiefs defense having, what was it, eight or nine sacks against the Broncos? Nine, yes. That's impressive, but against the Broncos, Rayshon Gary also had his sack. <laughs> Damn. So that's not that's not saying oh, man. To, to update the listeners, we have a bet on this uh, podcast that uh, if – Rashawn Gary gets more than four. Is it four sacks? Four, four or more. Yep, four. Or more. Four or more. Uh, I have to wear a, a too small T-shirt to a bar and watch a Packers game. But if he gets less, Dan has to. And right now, it's looking good in my favor. His one was against Joe Flacco, so we need more uh, immobile quarterbacks. Hopefully, Matt Moore can be that guy. How many sacks did the Packers as a whole have against Joe Flacco and the Broncos? Six. So Preston Smith had three. Okay. That was his three sack games. Darius Smith had two, and Rayshon Gary had one. All right, interesting. I just, you know, you keep talking about the similarities between these teams. Obviously, the MVP quarterbacks and the defenses are very similar in yards and all that stuff. It's interesting because because we do have the division matchup with the AFC West and the NFC North going on this year. Um, Outside of the three common opponents uh, the, the Chiefs and the Packers have this year, which they're both 3-0, and um, the combined record is very similar as well. The combined record of the teams they have not played, 16-10 and 10 and 15-11, and 11, so or 15-12. and 12. So there's not, you know, when you look at competition they've been playing, that's been pretty close as well. So we're not the even, Patriots' schedule. Even, <laughs> nobody is the Patriots' schedule. What are they facing, like 2-45 and 45 or whatever? But you even look at that Lions game. Chiefs should have lost that Lions game. We probably should have lost that Lions game. Like it is actually yeah. quite incredible how these teams match up from multiple standpoints. And that's what just brings it all back home of if Mahomes plays, then you probably get the advantage just from a receiving core based on Kansas City. But like this is a very, very well put together game from all sides of the ball being completely even. On a personal standpoint, I've, I, you know, I was lucky enough to watch Mahomes play live against the Colts last year in the playoffs. But, you know, I'm going to Kansas City with Josh this weekend. I'm actually taking my brother-in-law as well, who's also a Packers fan. So you will not be the only Packers fan there. So if you do get in a fight, you'll be in there with Gannon, and yeah. you know you can both be in jail together. Um, <laughs> actually, somebody films it. Somebody's got. <laughs> oh, don't worry, there'll be cameras rolling. But I, you know, I've always been impressed. I've spent some time up in Wisconsin with Josh at. Brewers games and Badger games and things like that. And Wisconsin fans have always treated me extremely well. Now I wasn't wearing the other team's colors or anything like that, but they've always treated me well. And that's one thing that I've, I've found in Kansas city as well. There were a lot of Colts fans that were walking around the stadium last year in the playoffs. And as long as you're not getting in there and being belligerent and, you know, has, I mean, as we can all get sometimes when we tailgate a little too much, uh, they've been extremely welcoming. And, you know, I'm I'm the Kansas City chief guy that's bringing two Packers fans with him to KC. But everybody's excited to to have people come in and experience Arrowhead. And who wouldn't want to experience that stadium? Josh, you know, as soon as the schedule came out, he's like, we've got to go to Arrowhead. Like the two places you'd ever want to watch a game in the NFL, I feel like, are Lambeau and Arrowhead at this point. So, oh, yeah. And 142.2 decibels is pretty friggin loud i'll say that so 
I wish those decibel meters were independently operated because I'm pretty sure when the Seahawks run theirs, it's a made-up number. They uh, they have actually their stadium designer has come out and said that the stadium was designed to reflect sound with a lot of metal roofing that keeps it in down around the field so they can actually be louder than that. Arrowhead's pretty open, um, and obviously that's not a sustained oh, sound either. I like that's where you're a, headed with this. Yeah. You're saying you got better fan base in Seattle. I like it. I'm saying we have a louder fan base than Seattle. That's all I'm saying. Let me ask you one more question, Blaine, around the Kansas City defense. So the yeah. the pass defense, the secondary, I had a hard time getting a read on them. I think Kendall Phil- Fuller is a pretty respectable corner. Um, Bashad Breeland, the old Packer from last year, we signed him in the middle of the year, I think from the Redskins. And he played pretty well for the Packers uh, on a pretty bad defense, but he played pretty well. Um, to the point that everyone was expecting that the Packers were going to keep him. And when they didn't, it caused some heartburn within the fan base. Um, turns out we kept Josh Jackson over Bashad Breeland, and Josh Jackson can't get on the field. Bashad Breeland's on the field for you, but um, between him and the safeties, I mean, what's the status of the pass defense? Is it something that anything the Packer fan base should be worried about? I think if you watched any of the Chiefs games from last year where they were 31st in the league in pass defense, you're not going to see that same defense again. You're definitely going to see an improved secondary. Um, they're not the best in the league. They're still bottom half, but they're much improved. Obviously, Tyron Matthew steps into the old Eric Berry role, which Eric Berry was great, but he just couldn't get on the field. Um, but Matthew's been extremely uh, efficient for us. And we have a rookie, uh, Juan Thornhill, who was just killing and He was our second round pick. Bashad Breeland has been a little bit of a sore point for some Chiefs fans because he seems to be playing well in man coverage until he gets into these situations, usually on third downs when he gets caught with a defensive holding or pass interference call, which then extends the drive. And I think uh, the game against the Colts, which was, was that a Monday night game or it was, I think it was a Sunday night game. There were about three in a single drive that were all on Breland that kept the Colts going oh and go down. So, yeah, we got a little bit frustrated there, but there's definitely some improvements there. Um, Kendall Fuller has had some injury issues as well, but hopefully, you know, we'll see if he's available this week or not. I have not looked at the um, inactives for practice today for as far as Kendall Fuller goes. But the only ones that I saw that were limited in practice were Mahomes and Fisher. I guess the good news for a Chiefs fan is Bashad Breeland is going to be going up against a receiver from the Packers squad that you could deem inconsistent at best, whether that's Geronimo Allison, Jay Kumaro, Alan Lazard, MVS against Kendall Fuller. I'm assuming Devontae Adams is out in this uh, hypothetical. But the, the good news for the Packer fans on the flip side is that if any team knows how to expose Bashad Breeland's weaknesses, it would be the team that employed him last year and decided that he wasn't good enough to keep around. So they should know how to uh, make him look bad and create some holding penalties if that's his issue. There's definitely a benefit for the fact that Devontae Adams is not going to be on the field for the Chiefs secondary, that's for sure. Just oh in goodness, the, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's like Tyreek Hill. If he wasn't going to play, you'd be obviously you'd, your secondary yep. would be extremely happy not having to cover him. Devontae Adams is a top five receiver in the NFL, in my opinion. So the fact that he's not going to be on the field at least as far as we know, will be of huge benefit. But I'm seeing right now that Kendall Fuller did not practice today. I don't know what his injury status will be mm-hmm. for Sunday, but that could create some issues as well. And I know MVS is, uh, like you said, he's um, kind of back and forth, a little inconsistent, but he had a huge game against the Raiders last weekend. Anybody that has that, you know, the ability to have two catches for 140 yards or whatever it was <laughs> is obviously going to be dangerous ty- at some point to a secondary so a little, you, a you never know Kill-esque. that's a tyree kill stat line <laughs> yes for sure with a kick return in there somewhere 
So our official unofficial bookie Bovada has Packers currently at minus four and a half. That's moved uh, a lot. Yeah, it has moved. I think it opened at Packers minus one. At one point, it almost was at five and a half, six, and then it's come back down a little bit. But what are we thinking about this game? Give us a score, your thoughts, and your MVP. Let's start with the Chiefs guy. <laughs> well, I wouldn't, you know. I wouldn't be a true Chiefs fan if I didn't pick the Chiefs. So I'm going to say that this is going to be like a 31 to 28 last second field goal by Harrison Butker. Um, I'm going to say that the Chiefs uh, Chiefs defense, somebody like an Anthony Hitchens or a Tyron Matthews is going to have to be our MVP on this one because this Packers team is really hot right now. I have the Green Bay Packers. I am more realistic in my selection. Uh, <laughs> I, I have them winning 34-17. I, I really think we control this game on offense and defense. Um, I think it's a slow start for our defense, and we get scared and have a little heart attack at the beginning. But I think the Smith sack train will uh, get back on board um, after missing some action last week. I just think Rodgers and the running backs will have a complete offensive game, running the ball and passing I don't see the Kansas City Chiefs stopping us at all. My MVP for the game, you know, I've been giving the offense a lot of love. I'm going to go on the defensive side and pick Preston Smith. I think he comes up big this game, uh, providing quick disruption um, and hopefully knocking the ball out of Matt Moore's hands. Uh, he, he's been getting to the quarterback the fastest, probably out of uh, all of our defensive ends. Um, and the main reason for this pick is just the offense better score on this Kansas City defense. Like if they don't score, I'm going to be upset. Yeah, I agree. The Packers need to score here. I, we're missing out on an awesome matchup. If the Mahomes was playing, this would have been like a 31-30 prediction, and it could go either way. But I have to go Packers 31, Chiefs 18. I think the Chiefs are going to show us a few times uh, the offense that they can be. But at the end of the day, Matt Morris is just not going to be able to make the same plays Mahomes does. And Rodgers and this offense are clicking. So Packers 31, Chiefs 18. Uh, for my MVP, it's going to have to be one of the running backs. Uh, just if the Chiefs are giving up 148 yards a game, then I'm expecting 100 to 120 yards out of one of the, one of the running backs. And I'll give it to Aaron Jones. So uh, about 120 yards out of Aaron Jones and a couple touchdowns. Uh, the interesting one to watch, though, is if we can keep Travis Kelsey under 60 yards, 70 yards, I'm going to want to watch the film on Darnell Savage and start the Rookie of the Year campaign in full effect. Because uh, if we keep him limited in a game where they're definitely going to try to feature him based on what they saw last week, then I think a lot of credit is going to have to go to Darnell Savage. Yeah, I, I was in that same kind of mindset for both score and MVP. I was going to go with Amos. I think that if order for the Packers to win, they need to do exactly what they've done in their wins, which is create turnovers, create sacks. I think there's probably two interceptions. I think there's probably a fumble thrown in there somewhere. I'm going to say four sacks of Matt Moore, and Amos is going to get one of them. I think 34, let's do 20, 34-20 in favor of the Packers. I I think it comes down to how they can start as well. That crowd, if they can get taken out of it, that's one less thing they have to worry about. So that will do it for this episode. We'll see how Sunday night goes. Come on, 7-1. and one. Oh, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.